With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another episode of the Nina Kauza Show. What an absolute week it has been for the Reds. Top the Champions League group. Thank you very much. Jurgen Klopp commits his future. James Milner staying as well. You know, um, uh, people will enjoy that. And today, today we are talking about Liverpool's 2-0 win over Watford, which puts them, as things stand, 11 points clear on top of the table. Wow, you know. I'm going to ignore what's happening externally from football. We're going to focus on the football. And it is a magnificent time to be a Liverpool supporter, regardless of where you are. Happy days indeed. And you know what? To, um, we're going to talk about this game because it's quite an interesting game, to say the least. But I have some excellent callers and I can't handle the callers on my own. I need my entourage. So you know what? Today, let me introduce them to you. Um, it might morph into another kind of podcast. I also forgot another bit of good news. Minamino, um, there's a little spoiler alert for my guests. So joining me today, I am delighted to be joined by host of the Transfer Podcast, um, host of the USA Podcast as well, and he does um, the Baseball Podcast as well. My God, this guy's, you know... List of podcasting is very diverse. It is an honour to be joined by Justin Wells, who I'm sure will be covering the Minamino news. Justin, yeah, hi. I will be covering the Minamino news with the other person you have on this podcast. We just have to work out a time. We have to work out a time because uh, they, they, you know, the, the club might have put us to work a little bit earlier. They have, they have. You know what? They've been itching for those transfer rumor podcasts, and you know what? I think Justin has given it away. But I'll, I'm going to give him. A badass intro anyway, because that's what we do on this podcast. I am delighted to be joined by um, the, the co-host of the Transfer Podcast, um, a contributor to Rate Don't Hate. I think he dabbles in a bit of wrestling podcasts as well. It is Tadiva. Tadiva, welcome to the show. Thanks for the intro. And then, yeah, it seems like the club uh, doesn't want us to have a December without a Transfer Rumors pod. So we'll they don't, and I don't, and I'm going to be honest with you, I really enjoyed those podcasts. And, you know, when the transfer window closes, um, I'm, I'm obviously a little bit broken because, obviously, like last summer, Liverpool didn't sign anyone. That was, like, not the greatest for me. But it also means that this pod kind of takes a little mini break, and I think a lot of people really do enjoy them. And I can't wait for your Minamino podcast. That's going to be exciting indeed. But, guys, we are talking about Liverpool's win over Watford. Before I get to the callers, I just want to get, get a brief summary about how you, um, uh, you know, maybe just a quick takeaway from the game, maybe just to summarise it in in a sentence. And, you know, Tadiva, I'll stick with you first. Yeah, um, that was quite an interesting game. I think we made it a lot harder than it should have been. 
especially considering the good news that has been coming through this week. Qualifying for Champions League, top of the group, Klopp signing, Minamino pretty much done. You're thinking Watford at home, okay, here comes another, you know, a 5-0 win, increase the goal difference a little bit. And, you know, we, we, we made that a lot harder than I thought we were going to. Absolutely. I think they just tried giving um, us Liverpool supporters like um, a bit of a, a wobbler, like, hey, you know what? We'll come good. Uh, Justin, what about yourself? I don't know. It felt, uh, that felt like the last few years of a Ferguson United team where we were just, we were just better in both boxes. That's it. That's, that's, that's what that game was. We were better in both boxes. Um, we were shit. They were more shit. And uh, we got, you know, in the end, I don't care. It's three points. Absolutely, absolutely. You know what I say after that game? We're fucking blessed. That's all I'll say on the matter. We're blessed. And long may it continue. But you know what, guys? We are joined by a couple of callers. Let's not keep them waiting. Um, so first up, um, a familiar voice on the Nina Kaza show. Um, uh, you know, you love to hear it. It is, it is Yona. Yona, welcome back. Hey, Nina. How are you doing? Really yeah, good. Uh, what game that was, huh? Intense. Ah, absolutely. Mm. That, those Salah goals. They yeah. were fucking beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, that that was just uh, a a bit of a tense game, as I said. Yeah, but hope good with the three points at the end of the day. For sure. And what made it tense about that game, uh, Yona? So we can kind of make it into a bit of a discussion point. What kind of what kind of stressed you out about it? Well, until the 90th minute, we were only 1-0 up, which mm. is always a pretty bad score because every, anything can happen. Mm. They can get a lucky goal in and uh, we lose the points, the two points. So, yeah, that's, no. that's stress, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So what we'll do is we'll we'll discuss that point with them um, with the panel right now, and uh, we'll see if they kind of shared your um your thoughts as well. And Justin, I will come to you on this one because, like like you just said in your brief summary, Liverpool were 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 better in our own half, better in their half. You know, we had a fair few chances. You know, we we had the likes of like um. Um, Mane's goal being ruled offside. Some of our players being really put into offside positions. Also, um. Um, uh, you know, a one nil scoreline. Uh, we were kind of lucky. I mean, like some weird shit was happening. Um, you know, like what happened with Virgil Van Dijk and the defending and stuff. I mean, it did look like as you usually. I don't really stress about Liverpool being one nil up. It's nice if they get a couple, but in this game, I thought, come on, man, just secure it. You know, it's still a little bit too loose for me. Did you kind of share those thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a, there's a variety of game that I don't enjoy, which is mm. the one, which is the one where. Uh, there, there's no control in midfield whatsoever. You know, mm. and I, I know I talk about the midfield a lot, but this just felt like another one of those where, uh, for a variety of reasons, they just weren't protecting the back four at all, and uh, it, it just it, it it got it got the game got stretched. It got stretched, and we were giving. Typically, in a game that gets stretched, we can press other teams, and uh, and, and and that benefits that benefits us in some ways because you know teams that play against us typically get hammered, and that's why teams just try to play us in a low block. Um, Watford kind of ma- mastered playing their low block reasonably well to, you know, early in the game limit chances, but that got exposed more and more throughout the game. But then also they broke on us pretty quickly and they played through our press. It felt like our midfield was 
fairly invisible. At times it felt like they were playing around Firmino, Henderson, Shaq, uh, and Ginny like they were parking cones. Um, they, they just, they, they, they I, I, and this is where I guess the eye test versus uh, what really happens will, will come out when uh, the, the under pressure lads review this. But uh, I, I really wonder about how frequently we were able to employ our, fr- our press and then how well it worked. Because it felt like Decore, um, Capoue, and Will Hughes were basically on the end of everything and getting around some big spaces. And you know, if Decore or Sar have better games, to, we're, we're having a different podcast and a different conversation. Mm, absolutely. And to Tadiva, um, uh, give me your thoughts on, you know, um, on what Jonas said there, that, you know, he was a little bit nervous about just being one nil up in that kind of game because it felt like literally like the weather wasn't the best as well. I and mean, we will talk about the goals, but obviously the wind really helping Mosala's goal. It felt like the conditions weren't like maybe the best. There was just something really weird going on in that game. So talk to me about, um, you know, uh, just, just, um, and also the points that, um, Justin made there about the midfield. I mean, it is a crucial thing. It's an important thing. We've actually had an injury in that position now as well, which I hope it's just a precautionary thing. So talk to me about maybe some things that kind of um, made you a little uneasy in that game. I think, you know, when it comes to rotation and this busy time period, I, I did expect a little of disjointedness, um, especially when we're changing to what seemed like a 4 3 one Mm. I think maybe this is why Klopp has been so hesitant to use it as often as 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 maybe people would have liked or would have thought he would have used, you know, uh, with him traditionally using, favouring it uh, at Dortmund. But you can see how open we were uh, with this formation today. And I think it, it will be interesting to see if we see it again anytime soon because uh, Klopp, Klopp might might have had some heart palpitations uh, watching some of, some of that defensive play from a shape-wise. It just seemed like the shape wasn't quite right. Um, I think, obviously, midfield, yeah, losing Fabinho and Genie, those are probably the two first names um, in terms of our midfield, especially if we're playing a midfield three. The conversation's always Fabinho, Genie, plus one, and who's that one? So if you lose both of them, um, we're, we're really starting to stretch the, the extent of that midfield. But I think that's probably the position on the pitch that we have the most depth, I would say. Um, so hopefully that, that we, we can, we, we can ride these injuries and obviously hoping Genie's isn't too bad. Um, in terms of the rest of the team, obviously Gomez coming back into center back as well. It, it, it might take a game or two for him and Van Dijk to get back on the same wavelength. Van Dijk, I can only imagine how, how hard his task is. He makes it look so easy in terms of his level of play, but imagine playing every single week pretty much with, a different center back partner on, on on your side, and then now on your either other side you don't have you know Robbo who you're used to playing with there, so that that couldn't have been easy. So I think just maybe a, the, the 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 fact that we had to make so many changes and change the formation is what lost us a bit of the fluidity. And as you mentioned, the weather wasn't great either. No, it really wasn't. Um, Yona, I'll come back to you. Um, you've heard what the panel have said there. Is there any final thoughts you'd like to share before we let you go? Uh, yeah. Uh, hang on. I gotta remember. Uh, oh yeah. That. Uh, first of all, I agree with uh, w- with what what uh the panel has said, especially with the depth in midfield. We do have that a lot. 
uh, now with uh, uh, Mina, 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 however you say his name, uh, is coming along. He's also a midfielder, mm. correct? He's like an he's, attacking midfielder, yeah, right forward kind of player. Yeah, he's the one. He's one who can play any place across the front line. He's mm. really. He, I wouldn't think that you'd see him come in and be used like when, when how we bought Lalana as a forward and then Klopp has used him in midfield. I don't think that's yeah. how Minamino is no. coming into this. I think he's like a ten, isn't he? He's going to be like a, a creative somebody that really sort of relishes and flourishes playing behind the front. A playmaker. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Also, another point that that, that I I looked at that VAR. Uh, First of all, the check on that last Salah goal, that was just like, come on, mate, fuck off. They were like going in depth to see the the, the last inch of his fucking heel to just to try and make it offside. That was, that was fucking annoying. Uh, yeah. All in all, I'm pretty positive about that. Props to Watford, though, for hanging on for so long. Yeah, absolutely. We will get to all that. We'll discuss that. But, Yona, thank you so much. And also, we've seen your point about Lalana as well. At the end of the podcast, what I'll do is I'll get the lads' brief re- um, reactions on the Jurgen Klopp news and, and of course, you know, Milner, and we'll, we will discuss um, Lalana as well. And we'll definitely give you a shout out there. But, Yona, thank you so much for calling. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. The Reds have Cheers. put it on, on a really good, on a good note for you there. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. You too. Okay, so that was our familiar voice on the Nina Kaza show, Yona. He actually swore as well this time. Oh, my God. I was, like, shocked. It's like, you know, hearing the, the good kids swear. Um, uh, now, um, we also have a familiar voice that I've not heard from in, in quite a while, but I'm smiling just, like, thinking about it. Because even when times were hard, he would call into our... He would call into our show um, and always see the positives in everything. So I am really intrigued to see this guy's mood. And, uh, you know, so um, without further ado, he's a bit of a legend. It's Kwesi. Kwesi, welcome back. Greetings. (laughs) I knew you'd be so happy. The floor is yours. You are joined (laughs) by Justin and Tadeva. I'm going to let you have your say. Well, first of all, with the pass for the win, always important. Mm-hmm. I I don't fancy going into football without Gini Wijnaldum. That's my big worry right now. Mm. Uh, you know, we could see that he's a really good protector. So if he left, our protection got even worse. I think the big issue we had was that we kept, our touches were poor. Hendo and for me, you know, two others had some really poor touches when we were trying to press, we were trying to win the ball, we were trying to be intense in midfield. And you sort of couldn't predict who would come away with the ball. And that made protection really difficult to achieve. You add to that, um, Gomez, who's sort of working his way into being in the back again. A couple of times he, he played dice on side by foot a foot and a half. So so it was all of that that was happening that made it weirder. But those poor touches just came out of nowhere. I mean, we 
we look silky smooth in the last game and all of a sudden, you know, people are miscontrolling the ball. But that was so what we needed was just a little bit of quality out of the field and that's what we got. And we won the game. And Allison showed his quality and allowed us to, to keep a clean sheet, which is quite frankly amazing. <laughs> you know, that's- weird game. It was an absolutely weird game. Well, thank you so much. You've kind of given your summary of the game. We will definitely be touching up on some of those points. Uh, Cressy, be, uh, before we let you go, um, yeah, man. your thoughts on, you know, um, just Jurgen Klopp committing his future, you know, it's out of the ordinary for him. He's never usually done that before. Yeah. He didn't do it at Mainz and Dortmund, but he has committed his future. So I just want to get your thoughts on that because, you know, it, this is the man for us. So I'll let you have your say. What I do remember, Nina, is that of all the fan media staff, you were one of the main ones advocating for, for him from the very beginning, you know? And um, look how it has turned out. I've never seen anything like this. I mean, I, I started watching Liverpool in the Kenny Dalglish era, mm. and that was wonderful. But this is an order of magnitude better. It's amazing. So, so. Basically, I give props to to um, FSG because once they got Klopp in, they clearly fine-tuned their direction and they're doing all the right things and they're putting people in the right places. I mean, their human resources is off the chart. And fixing Klopp in for another two years is is, is like magic. I didn't expect it, to be honest. I expected him to go after seven years because that's what he always does. Yeah, same. But um, I, so, so I'm giving thanks. I, I really am giving thanks. I'm glad that um, Pep and Peter Kravitz are, are also in place as well. And with that in place, I don't, I don't see us faltering. I don't see us faltering. I think... I think this is a dynasty we're building here. And the only thing that remains to be seen is if when we select the follow-on staff, if we'll do quite as well. Because all of this here, what's happening is that Mike Gordon is learning on the job as well. And he's picking up pearls as to how to administer a club as a chairman. So I expect that as we go on, you know, maybe even after the club era, we might be able to carry it on because the tenets, um, and the house has been set in place from now. Absolutely. It's absolutely a great time. And I agree with you. Um, this is definitely Liverpool building, um, um, you know, something magical and an absolute dynasty in, in, in everything that you say there. When you look at every other team where they are hiring ex, ex-players to kind of fill a void or, you know, or, you know, um, Man City, we don't know what's going to happen with Pep Guardiola. You know, this is literally Liverpool could actually just run away with things for a few years, you know, touching wood. I'm, I'm literally just grabbing the edge of my desk here. I, I hope you're absolutely <laughs> right, Chris. You know what? Because we deserve this. And I and mm-hmm. I also love the fact that, you know, me, I've been a Liverpool sport since 96, so I've not seen the great days. Rafa Benitez were my great days, but this has been like the best Liverpool I've seen. But to hear you saying you've supported from the Dalglish days and you're enjoying this as much as I am, just makes me even burst with even more happiness and pride knowing that I'm actually witnessing some of the, you know, maybe the great, that, that amazing feeling is back. And that's a really great sign for me and every Liverpool supporter. 
this is absolute history and we shouldn't discount 97 points last season because mm-hmm. I think I think even Sir Alex never got higher than 91 and so that's you know the, the Invincibles never got 97 points that was an amazing season mm. and people haven't given us credit for it but no anyway. for sure well we would have won the league in 117 of the other 119 for like you know league seasons exactly. so I think that tells you everything you need to know about last season and also why you kind of have to as much as there are a bunch of as, as much as in particular that you know the bald one is, is 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 you know whiny and insufferable you do have to tip your hat to him sure definitely definitely For sure. 11 11 millimeters yeah oh god <laughs> let's <laughs> uh, you know what at the moment who cares we're, we're right right now you know yeah. touch touch when we win it but in the end guess what there's something we have there's something we have that they want that they don't that that you know that, that yeah. we still got last season so yeah, uh, big ears yeah, yeah, it's not. Ex- we 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 shouldn't sit there lamenting things that didn't happen because you know still in the end, a, a just result came about and we uh you know we're on top of the pile. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, Cressy, thank you so much for calling. Thank you so much for having me again. And um, as as I said, I I remain I listen virtually every week, and um, I'll be paying attention. So cheers oh. to the Reds. Cheers to the Reds and love you, man. And um, yeah, man. you know, stay stay blessed and stay positive. Um, uh, you take care, Cressy. We're gonna we're gonna we carry do. on. You All will right, do. Cool, cool. Okay, All you right, take, take care. care Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Okay, so that was Cressy. He kind of gave his little insight on the game. Then, of course, he wanted to talk about Jurgen Klopp. Well, I asked him about Jurgen Klopp because. Uh, We've all got to talk about Jurgen Klopp and these lads will have their say as well. So, guys, um, Cressy made some really good points. So he kind of summarised the game. And to do that, I'm going to come to you first on this one because you kind of touched on um, the Ginny Wijnaldum situation. And, you know, with Fabinho being out, he's the best one that can kind of screen the defence and he does it the best. We've lost, I mean, we're hoping it's precautionary. But I think I think Cressy is right because when Milner moved to the hen- moved into midfield with Henderson, it looked even more weak, in my opinion. And the scariest thing, I think, when that happened was both Milner and Henderson were on yellow cards. So neither of them were going to be able to, you know, try and break down play too much. You could see they were kind of half-hearted going into challenges. And then also, I think, Trent as well, knowing that he was one yellow card away from missing the Leicester game, he wasn't also committing into challenges as well. So maybe some of those um, dirty fouls that we've seen from Fabinho and sometimes Genie, um, they couldn't execute them as well. And it's it's a dangerous game when you're playing the formation we were playing and to have both those two centre midfielders on a yellow card. I, 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 I thought Klopp was going to change at least one of them just to give you that extra foul that you could give in the middle of the park if they're on the break. Um, so I think maybe that might have hindered their their midfield play quite a bit. But yeah, if if Genie and Fabinho are out for an extended period of time, we I think we definitely have to go back to uh, a three man midfield because I don't know if we have the legs and the defensive nous for uh, a two man midfield with, with the the people that are left. Mm, interesting. I mean. Justin, your thoughts on on that whole situation as well? And, you know, the transfer window is open. Do you think maybe he goes for 
maybe a player? Do, do you think maybe he he tries maybe signing an, an alternative if 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 the Ginny injury is um is is one for the long period? I I think there's a bunch of things that we have to assess because I think besides Minamino, there's a possibility that we need to bring in two players, right? It all depends upon first off when our any of our center backs are going to be back because I mean I know that Klopp has said. Hover or uh, Sepp Vandenberg could step in, but I don't know. I, I, you know, that that feels like throwing someone really into the deep end. And then, from a from a midfield perspective, I do think we, from either a midfield or a fullback perspective, we need cover. Be it bringing in a midfielder and using Milner as fullback cover, or just making sure that our midfielders are that, that we have enough, you know, numbers in midfield. Somebody to get told it. me a rumor. Someone told me a rumor that Liverpool are interested in. Is it Sanderberg from um, Genk? Greg, Genk, I heard that as well too, and that's mm. something that Tadi and I also need to talk about. Yes, <laughs> I'm giving you ideas here, people. <laughs> This what you guys are what you guys are hearing if you're listening to this is the the formation of a live agenda for Tadiwa and I when we sit down to do our podcast. Yeah, but, this uh, is the agenda index, people. This is <laughs> this is yeah. the literal agenda index podcast. Um, but no, but, I mean I could see that too because basically we're 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 going to be a body short if Ginny's if Ginny's out for any period of time, and I I can't see regardless of what happens also with Klopp knowing Lolana's injury you know, fitness record. And fair or unfair, whether or not you want to go into it, Kata's uh, injury record and Ox's injury record, that's a risk. You need to mitigate that risk. It could really derail us. Um, I think as far as coping with it, though, I think Tidia was right. We might need to go to a three-man midfield. And the thing that's interesting is I think Kata is probably our best defensive output midfielder besides Fabinho or Ginny. So I don't see situations within which he, he needs to be able to get more and more minutes under his belt now. He played two games on the bounce, played very, very well in both of them. Henderson played two games on the bounce, was very good in uh, in most of in the first two he played this week. He was fantastic against Bournemouth. He was fantastic against Red Bull. Thought Red Bull mm. was his best game as a six in, in, mm. uh, in what we do. But the third game just felt felt like he looked leggy and he looked tired. But also, I think that uh, I don't think that in a two man midfield, Henderson and Wijnaldum balance each other enough. And I think that Henderson and Keita do actually seem to have some naturally balancing kinds of uh, ways of playing. And so I think, you know, there's a solution here as to how you can get through this month. But it all is going to depend. But how you go after that into January and beyond to make sure that the team doesn't break down is really going to need a a stroke of good fortune. And it's going to need Fabinho to come back, hopefully on schedule, instead of having something like Matip this year or Gomez last year, where the injury lingers and he's not able to get about it. And we need to know when Montep or Lauber are going to be back because, you know, Joe Gomez, it's, it's a lot to put on him to have to play that many games in a row for a guy mm. who has, uh, you know, an injury history. Now, granted, they're not muscular injuries. They're typically, you know, catastrophic impact injuries. But nonetheless, I think that that's the risk that Klopp and Edwards need to, need to mitigate. That's the problem they have to solve for. And it's really going to come down to... Uh, how long is Wijnaldum out? Is this precautionary or is it just finally the heavy minute load mm-hmm. that he played over the course of the last few years for both club and country have, have caught up with him? For sure. And the thing is as well, I mean, you're right, he has played so many minutes and the annoying thing is, I and mean, Klopp doesn't really give an awful lot away about the injuries as well. Like, I think he's still holding on to some very valuable information, which is absolutely fine. I don't think, you know, he should be so transparent with the media, but I always take it with a pinch of salt, you know, when it, when it comes to injury updates, because um, we know what he said about the Ox injury and it was much longer than that. Simon Brundish, obviously knowing his stuff was like, no, he's going to be out for X amount of time. And long behold, 
Simon Brundish was being absolutely spot on there, you know. But to people that they don't know about injuries and tears and such things, you kind of believe what the manager says. But I think that is an indication that we really don't know what's going on. Tadeva, I'm going to come to you because Kwesi did mention the defence and he spoke about the defence. And my God, you know, they, <laughs> can I just say something? They kept a clean sheet in this game. Our first clean sheet at Anfield all season in, in the league, I think, um, which is bizarre given this game. It, you know, they could have played Benny Hill music at some points in that game. Literally, I don't know what the hell was going off at one point. And Virgil van Dijk plays that ball back to um, plays that stupid pass to Alisson, which you know um, could have gone anywhere. I thought I was transported back to 2015. I do not expect that from Virgil van Dijk. But talk to me about the defense because he kind of spoke about Gomez saying that he was kind of playing players on side. Obviously, he's coming back. It was his second game back with Virgil van Dijk. I think it was Justin that spoke about partnerships and stuff. But for me, one thing that I did kind of really um like about uh, Joe Gomez was, or something that I kind of noticed was, his crossing was better today. Yeah, and maybe that's credit to him at getting those games at at fullback um, as much as a lot of people don't like to see him there. So maybe that that's added to his long ball delivery and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, defence wasn't great today, uh, especially at home. You're thinking they're, they're at the very least against Watford, if they get one goal, they will be lucky. Um, but if you look at the chances they had, they should have had way more than one goal, actually. Um, I think it's just a matter of there were so many changes in that defensive line and there have been so many changes over the season. Um, at this level of football, or everything, or a lot of the play has to be instinctive. You have to be on the same wavelength. And if you're playing with different personnel the whole time, sometimes, you know, you're not... You, in, in that split second where you have to make a decision, you're not used to the, 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 the characteristics of the player that's come in. You know, you're more adjusted to maybe, you know, you, you know, a Lovren is a front foot defender. So he's going to press really high. Whereas as Justin said, Gomez is willing to drop back a little bit because he knows he's got, um, the defensive ability and, and the pace as well to, to keep up with anyone. So stylistically, those are two different ways of playing the defensive role. And then if you're playing, you, you know, if you're Van Dyke or if you're Alexander-Arnold playing with someone like that or playing with two players like that who have different characteristics of approaching the same position, that could be a bit tricky. Um, and then obviously the two-man midfield, I think, struggled uh, quite quite a bit. And when the midfield is struggling, that piles a lot more pressure on the defense as well. So it was just really, really disjointed. And um, hopefully it's something that's going to be eradicated once either, you know, people start coming back from injury or we move back to the three, which seems to be the likely situation. In terms of the injuries, as you mentioned, with I think obviously, you know, there's trade secrets and stuff like that that you don't necessarily want to reveal. But Liverpool, like, especially under Jurgen Klopp, we are habitual liars when it comes to, to injuries. We, ha- we have to be honest. Um, yeah. I, it's it's very hard to believe uh, anything they say when it comes to injuries. So it's just sitting back and hoping that the Fabinho one isn't as serious um, as, or you know, it's 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 not as serious as had maybe been hinted or not hinted. Um, and also with the Genie one, you're hoping that maybe it was just a tightness, and perhaps maybe the players have been given the warning during this busy time period that if you feel anything at all, anything you just go down and we'll take you off because we can't afford to 
take any risks. If, if that's been the instruction that's been given to them, I'm hoping that this was the situation where maybe he felt a little tightness or just a little cramp and, you know, he, he's taken he, uh, the precautious uh, route. But the fact that he was holding the hamstring, that, that was a bit concerning for me. Yeah, absolutely. And Justin, I'm going to come to you. Talk to me about the defence. And um, you know what? Under normal circumstances, we probably draw or lose that game. But, you know, the defence wasn't the best. I think, you know, both you and Tadeev have touched on the midfield not helping the situation as well. Maybe the two, maybe it should have been a three. I think as a whole, you know, things weren't exactly overly great in front of Alisson. But a little word on Alisson as well, because um, it, it just goes to show that, you know what, just having the quality in between in between the sticks is just all the difference between everything at times. Well, I mean, he's arguably the best goalkeeper in the world. He showed it today because mm. of the way it's not just, it's not just the saves he made, makes. And Tini was made this point multiple times. I've heard him say this. It's also what he does with the ball when he knows mm. he's going to make, just making a save, making sure that no danger comes of it, just smothering the ball when you need to pushing it. Put, if you have to parry the ball away, parry it to where nobody's coming. He does that all the time. Today is no difference. And Watford had two big chances. Allison, in both of those situations, gets to the ball and makes sure that he has the ball firmly in his grasp after them. Now, Watford could have troubled him a bit more because their finishing was just brutal. But uh, he, he ultimately, it was extraordinarily important, especially also with the fact that I didn't think Gomez and Van Dyke were particularly bad. I just think that they had moments where they just completely and totally, um, you know, brain farted like Gomez occasionally a few times, like Quessy mentioned Gomez did play players on a few times and uh, Van Dyke's back pass to Allison that goes a foot wide of the, if that had gone in, I probably just would have turned the game off regardless of how we, we would have uh, and just looked at the score afterwards and just complained for 15 minutes on this podcast about it. So I'm glad that didn't happen, but um. That, I mean, that would have just been abs- that would have just been absurd. That mm-hmm. would have been a sucker punch that nobody nobody you know wants to see. So I think that uh, that was you know it, it was a defensively very helter skelter performance. Mm. I thought Joe Gomez did some good things. I thought Virgil Van Dyke did some good things, yeah. but it just wasn't coherent and not particularly cohesive. The fullbacks and, and I thought the fullbacks defensively were were very much. Uh, hit and miss too. thought Trent was definitely better than Milner defensively, but that's, you know, they both conceded some chances and both, I think were beaten individually one time too many. Milner just got let off the hook by his Malasar, just not, uh, you know, be, being all huff and no puff. I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but you know, in the second half when um, I think Milner went into the midfield and obviously Robertson had to come on, which meant Milner had to go into midfield. Did you kind of notice that there was a portion in in the second half where it was almost like Watford were trying to target our right our right hand side? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, team, teams want to play against Trent and uh, Gomez more than they want to go at Robertson and Van Dyke. I don't think yeah. it has much to do with Robertson. I think it's just why would you go at Virgil Van Dyke? Yeah, even even Halan and Huang switch sides in 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 the uh, Salzburg game, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if anybody here is like a, a fan of the uh, the NFL, um, so in the course of the last twenty five years, in the the, in the really the last yeah probably the last twenty five years, the game's gone from more of a running league to more of a passing league. And one of the most important things you can have for a defense to try to to try to really neutralize other teams' passing games 
is the concept of a shutdown corner, which basically just says, all right, I'm going to lock this entire side of the field down. You're not going to be able to throw anything here. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the most sought after skills you can possibly, possibly go for in a defensive player in football. Virgil van Dyke does that for us. You just don't attack down his, you don't want to attack down his side because you know, when it comes down to him, the chances of him making a mistake are slim. The chances of you physically beating him are slimmer and the chances of him completely and totally just understanding the situation and never even positionally without even having to do anything to mitigate the disaster is it, it's it's the most it's the most high probability you can think of in anything you can do playing against us like he made one really bad mistake which is that back pass we didn't get punished for it but otherwise Virgil's Virgil you, you know what you're getting out of him and it's basically not even just sometimes the skill but the intimidation factor of just him being there that's actually a really good point because look, he made that back pass and people are like, oh, he did that. You know that like gasp almost like, oh my god, he did that. But you know, there's defenders and players and players that we've had on our in on our roster in the past who've done far worse. You know, but the fact that you like you said, Virgil Van Dyke is Virgil Van Dyke. To do that, I'm going to come back to you. Let's talk about uh, the the front line. Um, uh, we'll discuss the goals as well. Talk to me about the front line. Shakiri was starting today which I thought was really nice considering you know the fact that Klopp is actually kind of trying to rotate his players and bring them in um talk to me about the front three I thought you know we'll talk about the goals like I said but I thought you know Shakiri did really well I thought Mosala looks like it looks like he's actually coming back to what he was of course he's had a fair few goals I think three in you know he he got one um he got one against Salzburg. He's got two today. He got one over the weekend against Bournemouth. He looks like he's finding himself. And uh, Sadio Mane is just an engine. And um, I, I don't know what's going on with Roberto Firmino. I mean, he was gorgeous in the in the counter-attack for our first goal. But he's looking a little off to me. So talk to me about the forwards and then we'll, we will go to Justin. Yeah, I think, well, I'll start with Shakiri. I thought he did okay. Um, defensively, he did put in a shift. Uh, obviously, Trent had Delefeu on that side from majority of the game, so you always probably need to double up on him. So I, I was a bit worried that Trent might be left exposed there, and there were a few times when Shakiri dropped back and and did the defensive work as well, which which was nice to see. From an attacking standpoint, I I don't think he got involved as much as maybe I would have thought he would have gotten involved. Um, so I think maybe from that perspective, he had forty four touches, which was. Of our starting players, I think he was probably just below Allison, who had 32 touches. So Nigeria oh, wow. had the, the least touches of our starting players. Um, so I thought playing out wide, um, they were they were going to be very very compact and very narrow. So I thought we were going to get a lot of space out wide, and we mm-hmm. saw that from Mane's side. I thought we were going to see something very similar from Shakiri's side, but um, maybe with Trent offering the width that side, Shakiri got lost a bit in the shuffle there. Um in terms of Firmino, yeah, he he definitely is struggling. And I was I actually thought he wasn't going to start this game. I thought they were going to start Origi. Mm. Um maybe give Firmino a bit of a break uh heading into, you know, the busy schedule that we're gonna go through and the, you know, the Club World Cup and the travel and all of that. There there is a lot of minutes that are in his legs at the moment. And if you think of all the the players that that travel, 
he probably uh, this is pure speculation from my my end, but he probably travels the most distance, having to go to Brazil and you know the South America for the games. Um, and he's been on all of their tournaments for the last pretty much two years. So that's got to catch up with him at some point in time. Uh, he started, the reason I thought he started the season well was because he was in mid-season form, having yeah. played in, in international competition. And then I think now is when he's starting to... Burn out. Exactly, exactly that. Um, so I, I, I was very surprised that he started. I think maybe Klopp is just saying he, he just has to play through it. You just have to dig deep and play through it. And, and, and he comes out a better man for it at, towards the end of maybe January period where, where we usually tend to struggle. Um, so yeah, he's definitely not playing well. Um, I, th- I think he needs a break, but we'll, we'll see how that develops going forward. In terms of Mane, I thought he was really, really lively. Um, definitely was our most dangerous player. I thought he, he seemed to have their right back on toast every single time he got the ball, which is why I'm always surprised with Mane at how little he, he seems to dribble at players, considering he looks like he could beat them at, at will. Um, but he is, he does look like a player that's playing with confidence and, and that's good to see. And then as you hinted to with Salah, it does look like he's starting to come back to, you know, full fitness. Um, hopefully the rehab work with that ankle has gone well and he seems to be more involved now and he seems to be more lively and more hungry to, to be a part of the game. Whereas I think a few of the other games, he, we were kind of, not that we were carrying him, but he seemed to be feeling the effects of that ankle a lot more then. And it, it was hindering his ability to, to play, you know, to the high levels that he, he expects from himself and that we expect from him. But uh, overall, as, as long as two or even one of the front three is, is on fire, I think we, we have enough from that perspective, especially with now we're starting to get some goals from midfield. Um, and then if we have two of the front three firing, then we're more than fine. Um, it, it's just, I think, a matter of rotating. At the beginning of the season, it was Firmino that was on fire. Then we had a patch where Mane was on fire and he's been on fire for quite a while. Uh, and then Salah is now four goals in three games. So if he's now entering his heart, as long as they can keep rotating and it doesn't, you know, it's not a musical chair situation where none of them is firing, then mm-hmm. I, I think it, I think we, that's the benefit for, you know, having the, that front three. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, when you look at the creative players in like the likes of Foxley, Chamberlain, the Naby Keita, who have been doing bits as well from the midfield. Of course, Fabinho scored the Thunder Bastard against Man City. So we know he can do it. Goals have been coming from midfield. We've seen some great handover assists. Milner will always try putting in a cross and doing something as well. Justin, I'm, I'm going to come to you. Tadeva's made some really good points there. I'm at that point now where I'm thinking, I literally don't know how many assists Sadio Mane's got. You know, his crossing has really improved and, you know, his assisting. But, um, you know, some really excellent points there from all the players. I, I think I really like the point about uh, Roberto Firmino. I think maybe it is burnout right now. Maybe it's just mental fatigue as well. Talk to me about all the players that played and what did you make of their contributions to this game today? All right, so I'll, I'll start with Firmino quickly. He, he looks gassed. Um, the touch yeah. doesn't look great. The decision-making is still okay, but it's just... He's uh he, he just doesn't look like he's got. He looks a like, bit slow as well, doesn't he? When he yeah, gets the he ball, like his reactions are not slow. quick. He still like, he still does a bunch of the things that you expect him to do that you know are just going to be help that that they're you know Bobby Firmino things like 
knowing to when, when the, led, to let the ball uh, run across him, playing well on the turn. Those are still things he's doing. He's making the right decision. He's just making them late. Like, yeah, I think a, ca- a case in point of what he's going through is the opportunity he had um, where he receives a Mane pass in the box late in the game to try to put it away. If he's, if, if he's basically on form, he's taking that first time with his left foot instead of trying to work it over to his right foot and then letting Will Hughes um, take all the, uh, all the sting out of it. He's, um, you know, I think he's just in a point right now where he just seems occasionally like he's running in mud. And that's, I, I think that's down to fatigue. Tadeo's got it right. He's played so many minutes. He runs so much for us in games. And it's, it's helpful that uh, at the moment, Sa- uh, um, Sadio Mane and Mo Salah are both starting to basically find, you know, completely and total, you know, on fire form. And it turns out that uh, building a team where two of your forwards are also two of the best five or six players in the world, and I'm talking about Mane and Salah here, it's a good good design. It, it generally helps you. That's that's how you win games. Is uh, you have guys who can score goals when they either have not, you know, score goals when they're not afforded a ton of opportunities, or if they are, you know, if they're missing, they just keep creating opportunities. That's what the two of them do. Yeah, Kev's um, just come in there and said Marnie has five um, assists in the league via understat. So cheers, Kev. So thank you, Kev. And I think that the, the point that we need to uh, leave it to Kev to, to have a stat point. Thanks, Point Dexter. Um, Who needs gags? But, Who needs gags? Yeah. Um, but uh, the, uh, the thing that's really funny to me about Mane's assist totals is they've creeped up since he uh, threw a strop at Salah on the bench at Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> Like I think at that point he hadn't had an assist season, basically every single game, and it's what I don't know if the catalyst for it was that to prove that he just wasn't pissed at Mo. But um, now the two, the two, I mean the two of them also understand how to play well together, and that's where he was right. If it's, if it's one of them firing, we can win games. If it's two of them firing, we're we're definitely going to score goals, and we're going to probably win some games too. So yeah, long long may it continue. Let's hope that Mo does what he did last December, where he was basically good for a goal involvement, and it at least one goal involvement per game. And, you know, when, when he does that, he's, I, I think, he, I think Mo takes a lot of criticism from our fan base for the, for the dips in form he occasionally has without realizing that, you know, he sees a ton of attention because he's large, whether or not you think Mane is the better player than, than Mo Salah. Mo Salah, if you look at the numbers, has significantly more goal involvement from both an assist and goals per perspective. Now they've about leveled out, but, for the you know Mo, even in his bad runs of form, still just finds ways to get onto the score sheet or assist mm-hmm. goals. And lately, that's been coming more and more because he's just now starting to find the goal in mm-hmm. every single game. And uh, I think a Mo Salah, who's also confident enough to start um, scoring worldies with his right foot, is is a player that nobody in the world wants to come up against. Not and- for sure. And I'm with you, actually, because I, like you said, you know, it's not one or the other. Like, to me, they're like, how can you pick amongst your children if you've got children? I don't have children, so I just have more and um, money, you know? I I, I don't get it. And I think that there, I don't get the the whole nature of our fan base playing one against the other. Like, oh, Mo's our most important player. Oh, Mane's our most important player. Oh, Virgil's our our most important player. Who cares? It's a pointless conversation. You know what? They're all important. They're all really good. And that's why the Reds are one of the best teams in the world, if not the best team in the world at the moment. It's because of the fact that we have world-class players who genuinely know how to play with each other in top form, right? And you can, game to game, there are obviously blips, 
but in top form most of the time, right? That's a good formula. That's how you win things. And just to add on with regards to the Firmino uh, mental fatigue you mentioned, uh, Nina, when was the last time Firmino played a dead rubber game where it wasn't important? Every single, every single Premier League game for Liverpool is important. It's a must-win game, especially with the standards that City set. Um, all the other games are cup competitions. International football, he plays for probably the most demanding nation in world yes. football in Brazil. And you have to be the number nine for that team. I'd, is there a harder job than being the number nine for Brazil? So from a mental side of the game, the amount of pressure that he must be under, you, you, you can see maybe why there, there is a bit of mental fatigue at the moment. Yeah, I mean, basically, basically the only team we feel comfortable resting him against is Everton. So take that for what you mean. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? I said I don't have a favorite from the front three. I actually do have, and you guys know this, but I do have a massive spot for, a soft spot for Roberto Firmino. I just do. I just think he's just um, such an intelligent footballer. He might not be the quickest, but he's sharp, you know, um, it just goes to show, um, like in the Champions League, the when we did so well, you know, when the Reds were doing well last season is because he was doing so well. I just think he's such a crucial player. And on a side note as well, the man wears some garish outfits. And for that and his hairstyle and the over white teeth, I just I just love how obnoxious he is, but he's so humble. He is, but you know, I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, the whole concept. Oh, Firmino is. He's incredibly humble. He's a fan. There was an article in the Carol Witch paper, I think it was The Guardian, about one of his uh, teachers when he was a kid um, talking about how, uh, you know, Bob, he, he was, he was a, a shy, quiet kid who mm-hmm. all he wanted to do was play football, grew up really poor, and that all he needed in life were just, was just a break and someone to take a chance on him. And, oh. like, that's exactly what happened. Um, and, and, you know, he's a guy who you can't feel anything but good for because his, his entire ethos has to be about work is about working hard, right? You can mm-hmm. see it in how he, he conducts himself on the pitch. He runs tirelessly. If it's not coming off for him, he's not one who gets frustrated. You can see Mane or Salah when, when it's not coming off for him a game occasionally show frustration, right? Bobby, Bobby does. And, and look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that as a, as a, is a bashing of character point because of the fact that, you know, there are things I'm going to say about each one of them in a second that obviously are just, you know, similar kinds of things, but, you know, as far as their character and the kinds of players that they are, but Bobby's basic entire thing is about his engine and his ability to just keep running. And basically he's the type of player in, in a sport where if Jurgen Klopp gave out a coach's award, Bobby would be in the running for it every time because Mm. Bobby just runs his, you know, Bobby just runs into the ground for clock. For sure. And, you know, I'm going to say something about Bobby Firmino here. I did the Eurovision podcast with um, Graham Hunter when Liverpool beat Man City in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, the first time they made the finals, so two seasons ago. And he said to me, because I'm not sure, and I think he, he spoke about Roberto Firmino, and obviously Graham Hunter does not watch an awful lot of Liverpool, right? Let's be honest. And he goes, I really don't know um, what his role is. I don't know what he does. And he didn't mean it in a disrespectful way. It was just before the game, we were previewing it or something. We had a conversation. He goes, I don't know what he does. And today, Graham Hunter tweeted saying, that pass from Roberto Firmino for that goal. Yeah, he does that. And I think, 
part of it is is that Firmino's climb in 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 the stature in Liverpool has been slower because of the fact that you know obviously he didn't hit the ground running under a manager who seemingly didn't want him and played him in positions that he wasn't suited for. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that that manager loses to Norwich today. I haven't seen the score look yet, but um, <laughs> but uh, at the but at the same time, uh, you look at Mane and Salah. Mane is the first signing of the of like the first really big signing of Klopp's tenure. And mm-hmm. Salah, when he came into Liverpool, had one of the most rapid ascents to global superstardom you'll ever see. So, it, it, for for, Mon, for for Firmino, it's not like it's an intentional underappreciation, but you can just see how he flies further under the radar than Salah, who basically was was scoring a goal every like sixty something minutes in his first season at Liverpool, and Mane, who last season just basically just started showing, he's like, wait a minute. I've got another level to jump and did it. It's just, you know, Bobby, Bobby has been that more consistent, slow build force and does a lot more dirty work than the, than the two of them as well. For sure. Absolutely. You know what? Let's talk about the goals now. Um, let's get right into it. Um, Tadiva, I'm going to come to you first one. It actually comes from their corner as well. I think Gomez um, makes a a good little interception kind of thing. It goes off for a corner and Liverpool are able to break away. And as um, our good friend Graham Hunter said, you know, I think it was Roberto Firmino that sort of pings the ball to Sadio Mane. Um, Talk to me about the, the pass and, uh, you know, maybe the weather did come in handy for Mo Salah there, but what an absolute finish. So I'll let you talk about that one first. It seemed like his shot got caught in the wind, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't yes. seeing- because I'm, I'm always worried now. Um, in in rate don't hate. I'm always criticizing our front players of their technique when it comes to finishing. Not to say that they're not good goal scorers, but their technique from an attacking point of view um, is is not really the best. Like for example, you'd rather have Vanestroy taking a shot than having Salah take a shot, uh, purely from a technical uh, perspective. But so I'm I'm always worried that I'm being too you know I'm being too hard on them. But it seemed like he didn't catch it too well, and it just. I, I thought he had missed it, and then somehow it just crept into that top corner, and that so well played to him, fair played. Um, but the build-up play was really, really good. Um, obviously, you know, it, the commentators even mentioned the fact that that Firmino um, pass to Mane, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just a clearance or just a overhead kick. He he saw the run of of Mane, played it into his path, and equally for Mane to play the ball into such an inviting place for Salah. Usually either that ball goes too far forward or not enough uh, forward that Salah has to end up doing too much. But because of how far forward it was and it brought the keeper out enough where the keeper thought he had a chance, then had to kind of backtrack and it dragged the defender along with Salah. And, you know, whether or not the defender should be letting Salah cut inside, um, if I'm a defender, I'd rather let Salah shoot with his right foot than his left foot. So I, I, I don't think I can blame the defender too much there. Um, but Salah did well to to cut inside and and bend it round the keeper, uh, and we won not up, which which at a time where it seemed like we were, you know, where, not necessarily where was the goal coming from, but the fluidity didn't seem right. It, it was good to to get that goal just to settle the nerves a little bit, and uh, it, it seemed like the team stepped up a gear. I think maybe the instructions from. You know, we see it in club teams where if you score one, try and quickly get a second one while they're down. Mm. Um, if you don't get it, okay, we go back into then the the methodical passing the ball sideways, looking to see where we can open space and then penetrate. But yeah, so so it was it was a good goal. The build up was 
for me, the build-up was really impressive. And uh, it's always good when all three of the front three are involved in, in a goal that we score. For sure. And Justin, it's definitely a trend, isn't it? Some of the build-up plays, some of the goals that we score, it's the build-up plays just what kind of makes it. Well, I wouldn't even say that there's much build-up play here. This is just a straight-up devastating counter. It's yeah. Because, it, it, I mean, it's the goal we've scored constantly with these. No, I mean, three. the quality of balls that are being played. The quality, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's not scrappy. I, I, I know what you mean. It's, it's, basically, yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the type of goal we score where we can just base, where we can go from, we seem to do it to other teams on their corners, where we could basically just go from having the ball at the edge of our area to the edge of your area in, in two seconds flat. And um, in this particular one, you know, as Stevie was said, it's a, it's a great pass from Firmino to Mane. It's Mane playing inch perfect to Salah and then Salah being a king doing king shit uh, on the finish. You know, it's an incredible finish with the right foot. The second worldy with his right foot, he scored in two games. So, uh, you know, that's a have fun defenders. There's another thing you have to think about. Yeah, he's getting good with that right foot. And Justin, sticking with you, let's talk about the second goal. Um, Oxley chamberlain plays a ball to Sadio Mane, who kind of um, drags it back to Divock Origi. You know what? When Divock Origi came on, I, I was watching the game with my brother. I'm like, watch him do some madness, because that's what we expect from Divock Origi. He's going to do something, and he's going to be completely oblivious to what he's doing. He, he meant that assist. I don't care what anyone says. Okay, you know what? Actually, I am going to pick a favorite. If I have to pick a favorite of your forwards, it's Divock Origi. Yes! <laughs> I uh, can see. Yeah. I, you know what? The, the guy is, I, I don't know if he's either, and I've said, now I've now probably said this like 12 times. I don't know if he's either the best shit footballer ever or just the worst good one. Um, I don't care. He, he, he's uh, a player who's really good in other teams' boxes. He horrifically mishits this, right? It's, but, horrifically, there. You know, we're 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 gonna say he meant it. It's fine. I'll. It goes down in the scorebook as an official assist. But um, yeah, it was that was really. I mean, he basically drove that one right into the ground. It took four skips, and it just finds uh, Mo Salah, who has uh, you know, the cheek and the disrespect to nutmeg um, a player who had basically been really good against him all against our forwards and cut out a lot of chances for them, by the way. Um, his name is escaping me at the second. Um, but he nutmegged him on the line, and that was kind of pleasant. That was kind of pleasant. And just a live score update from you from Keepy underscore OP, Keepy OP, I'm 1-0 to Norwich. Yeah, come wow. on, Canary! <laughs> <laughs> this is why I love Discord. It's, it's like, you know what, I feel like Jeff Stelling and like these guys give me the score updates because they know that we can't watch. But thank you so much for that. Keep us posted. Tadiba, I'm going to come to you about the second goal and <laughs> Divock Origi because I just, I just love the guy. Oh, he's so amazing. Um, first and foremost, it, it was brilliant for him to just hold his run because everyone got sucked towards the... the yes. The, the, the six yard box and he held his line and, and as Mane was running, you can see Mane quickly look up and spot that, that Divock had held his run. Um, and then you're thinking he's coming in and he's slotting it. And then you remember this is a game against Watford at home. It's not an important game. Divock's definitely not scoring. So <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> he definitely decided to give the assist to Salah. He said, this game is not important enough to be graced by one of my goals. Yes. Salah 
here you go, have a goal. Um, but Salah's finish was really beautiful and so cheeky. Uh, and I love that it, it went in between the defender's legs, who I thought actually had a really dis- decent game, all things considered. But it, it was one of those moments where, okay, we can all breathe now. Um, <laughs> finally, it's 2-0. Um, we can breathe now. Let me ask you guys both a question. Um, have you guys seen the the uh, screenshots? I guess Oliver Holt shared them a while back about uh, in James Milner's book. Yes. Someone yes. asked him a question about uh, about how how has your life changed by knowing Divac Origi? Um, apparently, Divac lives on his own planet. Um, he's just apparently the most calm, the most calm, inf- the most calm person ever. Which actually, if you're really thinking about things, makes complete and perfect sense. Yeah, I love that bit in the book or that little section where he says, I still don't know when he got the winner against Everton why he picked up the ball and ran oh, to the halfway yeah. line. <laughs> I thought, I mean, my favorite part of that is every. So there's a few things I'll watch when I want either, um, you know, some emotional catharsis, you know, which is highlights yeah. of the 4 0 against Barcelona, or yeah. if I just want to laugh, 1 0 against Everton. But there's one thing I've never gotten, which is also him picking the ball up. And I think it's the person who has the awareness of mind to basically tackle him is Fabinho. He's like, no, 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 leave that here. You know. And I love the fact that Milner, she said in the book, maybe I'll ask him one day if he remembers. Yeah. <laughs> I was howling. And I love the fact that he's always leaving things on aeroplanes and he's never late here he said he goes that we all turn up half an hour before you know there's a big meeting he goes by no means is he late but he literally turns up five minutes before the meeting's going to take place like he's just so chill i love that and it like you said it makes complete sense but he's i just think he's wonderful and now that you've heard you know um a character kind of reference you kind of look at him in a different light do you think that's fair I, I, it, it made me love him more yeah. than I loved him before, which was already <laughs> a lot. Yes, I agree. Oh, my God. Hilarious. Right, guys, I think we kind of discussed the goals, and they were pretty awesome. I'll just quickly get your word on um. I, I think, you know, Yona said it as well, you know, VAR. I think it it's kind of annoying the game a little because, obviously, there's, like, oh, there's, like, that last-minute kind of security goal, and, you know, it kind of gets you kind of have to wait to celebrate it because they're checking it. There's nothing wrong with it. But there was a goal ruled off offside. I mean, Shakiri plays a wonderful ball into uh, Sadio Mane who heads it. And, of course, his hip is offside. If only the player was Shakiri, you've got a Shakiri song right there, you know? <laughs> yeah. I That's know. I, I, it's a mirror image of the goal that Wijnaldum scores against Barcelona, albeit against Watford. Um, yeah, no, um, it's, uh, it sucks. That that goal is so mar. It, it's uh, this wasn't made to create to fix those margins. That's not the point. The point is to get clear and obvious errors wrong. This isn't a clear and obvious error. We're basically talking about a matter of inches, right? Goal line technology. That's fine. That makes perfect sense. You can use that. But this, it just feels like they've gotten the implementation of it all wrong. Using video review to correct calls, I think, is the right thing to do if it's really bad. Like you know someone barging straight through someone and the referee misses it. That's why this exists. Not to re, you know, relitigate a, like, a, I don't know, the position of someone's armpit. Come on. I wasn't so butthurt about it. What about you, Tadiva? Um, it's, it's irritating, but um, 
I think I was more impressed with just how good Mane is in the air. Yeah, we know. Yeah. Like, for some reason, he doesn't look like a player that should be good in the air, but for some reason, he's got really good finishing with his head. Um, in terms of the goal, it would have been nice, obviously, to get that. Maybe he deserved we... a goal today, this game as well. He, you know, like he worked his ass off again. Yeah, for him and for me with my fantasy team, that seems oh, okay. to be crashing and burning at the moment. But um, I think, um, you know, yeah, as Justin alluded to, these kind of offsides, I don't know if they need to make the, the defender's line thicker or something to, 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 to offset some of these really small margins. But it, I think it's definitely something they're going to look at over the, the, the end of the season, another rule change of some kind. But there's still kinks and, and things that they need to sort out with VAR. Um, yeah, it's just unlucky that he didn't get the goal. He did deserve it. He played really, really well. He did for sure. Guys, man of the match, and then I want to get your thoughts on, you know, some wonderful news, obviously, that's been coming to um, Liverpool, um, Liverpool Football Club. Actually, can we, can we just talk about just, one thing I want to ask both of you? Yes. I mean, I know that it's your show and your husband, but there's, you know. Uh, Go on. I think that Watford team is actually, I don't know how they're in the relegation zone. I, I know that basically right now they can't score goals, but that's better than so, that team has so much more talent and ability than so many other teams in this league. Mm. I, I don't get how they're that how how they're there. I don't get it as well. I mean, don't get me wrong, like they they did uh, really well today. I think Yona made the point as well, but I think the reason why maybe they did really well was because I don't think Liverpool were very great today either. Does that make sense? Like, don't get me wrong, they never stopped. They kept going till the very end. I actually watched the Watford game. Was it against Spurs? Or who, they, they got really unlucky against the team where... Um, yeah, it, it was Spurs, wasn't it? And I kind of felt really bad for them. Yeah, I, I think also with the... the teams that sometimes just get really comfortable in their position of being, you know, we're always in the Premier League, we're mid-table, we're mid-table, we're mid-table... And then they lose maybe that little bit of motivation. And the Premier League is one of those leagues where you can easily fall into the relegation zone if you're not careful. Do you think they're not recovered from their FA Cup loss? Because they got absolutely smashed. And that's the thing. Um, so from a, from a perspective of a Watford player, you know, where, the, where then maybe does the motivation come? Obviously, they're being paid, you're a professional and all of that. But can you imagine having gone through the season that they went through where they're thinking, oh, this is our chance? And then just get destroyed by a team. And to them, they must be just thinking, oh, so what's the point? Do you know what I mean? Like, what's the, what's the point? They're, they're, they're just so much better than us. And maybe they, they came into the season with that lingering on. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought they, they should have addressed maybe their goal scoring a little bit better in the off season. Um, that could have helped them out a, a, a bit more. And then you have players like the Delafales who. Yes, who are because, really good. Yeah, but because they're so inconsistent. If, if they get caught on a bad, inconsistent patch, then that can become a problem for them. And they don't have necessarily the luxury of, like we were discussing with our front three, where if one of the three is playing well, we can get away with them. For them, if, you know, if they've got Delafeo and Saar and, and, and Dini up top, all those players are already inconsistent. And it's very easy for all of them to be inconsistent at the same time. And then, then it just becomes a really big, big struggle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good points there. Right, guys, let's get Man of the Match done. And I, it's going to be interesting to see where you go with this. I kind of know where you'll go with this. I'm, I'm assuming I think I know where you'll go with this. And Tadeva, I'll start with you first. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the obvious one in, in Mo Salah. Mm. Um, I thought, you know, to get the goals at the time when we needed them, that, that's big match temperament in terms of uh, being, being the leader and being a star player and, and coming up with the goods with the end product. Uh, there was a shout out for Mane and then also for Allison, who, you know, kept that score at 1-0 uh, for, for a very long time. Uh, with some really good saves. But yeah, I thought Salah getting the goal, starting to look more the Salah that we know and love and, and hoping that he, he can continue that form heading into, into this December period and that, that January period we sometimes seem to struggle with. Yeah, boy, we're going to need him. What about you, Justin? Oh yeah, I'm not overthinking this. Uh, putting the ball in the net is actually what wins you games. So as much as Al- Alice and keeping the ball out of the net in this one was important, uh, I'm I'm still going with Mo Salah because of the uh, the worldy and the the disrespect that the second goal uh, of the second goal. I don't think there's another option. Yeah, I, I think I'd I'd go exactly the same with you and Mo Salah, guys. Let us know your thoughts. Who would be your man of the match? Tweet us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We have come to the end of talking about this game. Now we're just going to tidy up some. You know, these guys they're on my podcast. Some big news broke this week. They got to talk about it. I'm sorry. So you know what. Tadiva, I'm going to come to you. Um, just the week of news that we've had, you know, talk to me about it. Um, how, how do you feel? It feels really good. And I'm wondering, you know, uh, the more and more you, you look into FSG and how meticulous they are, not just with Liverpool, but you look at the, the, their business models and, and all the sporting franchises that they're involved in, they're very, very meticulous. And I saw it when you know, when they first came in, that they they were very clever in trying to get a stronghold of the media narrative. And and they they, they try and do that a lot more and more as, as the as the years have gone by. And for example, the announcement of the Klopp signing, like you could have announced that any time in the season, but now it's going into the busy December period. Um you know, the, the the squad needs some kind of lift, not to say that we're playing badly. But... And, and, it was, and it was a day as well to Diva because, um, you know, Liverpool as a city, you know, they, everyone voted Labour. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the whole general election thing as well. I thought the timing was absolutely phenomenal to lift the spirit of the city. And the average Liverpool supporter is is a Labour fan. It, and that's that is the what thing. it is. And that's the thing. Um, it, it's, it's about understanding where, where you're from. Mm. And, you know, it, that's such a massive thing for Liverpool as a football club itself. That, that's very ingrained in who Liverpool mm. is and being ingrained in the, in, in the society and, and in and around Liverpool. And it seems like they're embracing that a lot and they're not stopping it or, or you know, trying to, you know, diversify it or anything. They, they understand that first and foremost, this is Liverpool football club because it's from Liverpool you know, take care of our own first and foremost, and then we look at the global perspective and, and the fans as a worldwide uh, society. But that's always good to see. And then also, um, you look in, in terms of the club signing, I mean, the club announcement, I, yeah, I, I do get the, 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 the happy coincidence in terms of maybe the election, but I think it had a major thing to do with also the Minamito news coming out because, um, I think I think we were talking in the Discord transfer chat group where I was saying first and foremost with regards to Minamino, um, his the fact that his announcement started to leak when it did I think was a courtesy call from uh, RB Salzburg where they were saying look clubs are starting to put in bids 
And the thing is, from a legal perspective, they would have had an obligation to now reveal that actually he's got a 7.5 or 7.25 release clause once the bids actually start coming. Because if you bid 10 million, um, you know, they can't just take that 10 million, you know, you know what I mean? And, and not mention the release clause. Mm. There would be some serious repercussions for that. And also the fact that, um, you know, previously maybe Liverpool put in a bid and then we were the ones that found out that it's the release clause. That's why maybe we got in so early. And then now they're having to tell other clubs, no, he's already signed somewhere else. And the fact that they had to already tell clubs he's already signed somewhere else meant that clubs were probably going to get their favorable journalists to start digging into which club has gotten him and all of that. So just out of courtesy, Salzburg were probably like, look, Liverpool, we're starting to get bids for him. You know, we, we know he's coming to you guys. So just a heads up, maybe start releasing the fact that he's coming to you so that, you know, you guys control the narrative. Um, and then also, if you listen to the some of the quotes that came up with regards to Klopp signing the new contract, where it was saying in negotiations with players that we were trying to sign, they were also wondering, you know, some of the questions they were asking is, well, how long is Klopp going to be there? And that's where, you know, and that was one of the major factors in, mm. in, in one Klopp signing, obviously them believing this is the right place for them to, to continue their, their coaching careers. But also from a perspective of we need to make a statement to say our manager is here to stay because that's going to influence and, and, and have a big factor when it comes to the transfer window and going for the players that we're going for. And even the players that we may have already gone for that we don't know about, like the Minamitos of, of the world, where we've probably got deals already sealed. They needed to know Klopp was, um, was definitely staying. And then some of the players, maybe some of the more elite players were holding off and saying, well, until you announce that Klopp is staying, you can tell us he's staying verbally, but how are we meant to believe you? Until we see that he's actually announced that he's staying, then we'll sign. So I think that's a really, really exciting time from, for Liverpool. Um, just who would have thought Klopp would, you know, you, you'd hope that he would stay longer than the seven years, but traditionally he doesn't. I think the only thing that I thought maybe might convince him, and, and I thought it was a really slight chance, was the fact that at Dortmund, he knew all his best players were definitely getting sold or, you know, they were going to be poached by Bayern or, or some of the bigger clubs. At Liverpool, you know, we've had the Coutinho's and stuff. If you want to leave, fine, you can leave. Um, but Klopp now has the reassurance that, one, we've got, you know, we're willing to keep the players and give them the, the contracts that they deserve um, if you know if if they play to that to that effect, and two, if they do leave, we're going to replace them, and not just replace them, but replace them with real quality. Mm. It's no longer a situation where we're replacing them with untested youngsters. We're now replacing the Coutinho's, you know, with players that that are tried and tested, and we're willing to spend the money when the money needs to be spent. So I think all of that culminated in FSG. I think trying as hard as they could, understanding the fact that you got to keep Jurgen Klopp. And in order to keep Jurgen Klopp, it's, you know, a manager of that caliber demands a lot. Um, so, so it's just really, really a happy situation to be in. And it'll be interesting to see how far we can, we can go as a club. Um, and then obviously in the near future, in terms of transfers, whether or not we'll be reinforcing in the transfer window, uh, this, this transfer window. And then also in the summer with, with the Nike deal pending as well. Mm, absolutely. I mean, it, it's just a wonderful time. And I know people say football and politics, you shouldn't mix them. Liverpool is such a socialism. 
socialist kind of club the city is um the manager is be quiet justin um i'm i'm gonna you know i'm gonna come to you on this one fsg you know fsg out fsg out uh i think it was <coughs> ridiculous to kind of judge fsg before jürgen klopp because they always had kind of makeshift kind of managers now is the time to judge them talk to me about jürgen klopp how you feel about that personally as well you know it secures so many players futures it secures potential signings all yours. And you as a fan, how do you feel? So, first off, the whole thing about people not mixing sports and politics, I, it's not necessarily something that... And I, I'm not going to go too into it to not alienate, to not alienate people. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not a person who hides my beliefs. Um, I, I am of a, of a very left persuasion. I, uh, mm-hmm. I find myself in simpatico and, uh, you know, solidarity with those of you who voted Labour. Um, I, I, Thank I, you. I, 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 I don't... Uh, I don't I don't like what's going to happen, and I hope that none of you ever learned what a copay, a deductible premium is, as far as insurance goes, because that's a, a dreadful thing we have here in the US that I can't stand. And I, I hope that the NHS doesn't doesn't adopt any of those kinds of uh, measures. But I think Jurgen Klopp, you know, is a man who has verbally gone out and specifically stated his political ethos. It's in line with the city of Liverpool. It's in line with yeah. the supporters. Mm-hmm. It's in line with many of the people who support the club globally. And mm-hmm, yeah. I think that that's, you know, that, that's, that's a big portion of being a Liverpool supporter is, you know, it's not just about what happens on the pitch. Carl Kopax has, has said this a lot, over the last few, uh, you know, multiple times in the last few Anfield Index podcasts. But you'll never walk alone in Liverpool Football Club. Football isn't the, you know, the football part of it. That's not even the best part, right? It, it, is, about the, it is about the community and it is about, you know, kind of a... Uh, uh, you, know, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm using this term, it's a bit gendered, but it's about the fraternity of, uh, of support fully. And, you know, that's, that's important. And I think Klopp committing to that, I think Klopp committing to that future in, in the light of a, of a day that the city is, you know, going to view as a very dark day is the type of man he is. He, he wants to help give us hope. He wants us to turn doubters, you know, doubters into believers. I know that that's at this some, from some point a cliche, but it's also true because, you mm-hmm. know, we, Life is hard, and uh, we need these escapes, and we need to feel part of something bigger than ourselves. And I think that Klopp knows this, and he's allowed, um, and I think FSG know this, and they've allowed for Klopp to uh, to move in this direction. Now, um, as for the, for the rest of the news, I, I'm, I'm delighted that Minamino signed uh, is going to sign for us. I think he's a very good player, and I think he can he can help us. And he actually kind of one of the things we've been looking for is that player who can not only deputize one of the wings, but also can you know also deputize Bobby yeah give us kind of the work rate and the creativity and, and the things that Bobby does and I think Minamino really allows us to do that allows for us to do that and uh you know it, it's a it's a great signing in that respect I think having James, keeping James Milner around um I'm sure that at 34 years old signing a two-year extension he knows going to his age 35 and 36 seasons what his role is going to be Bob has mentioned that a lot of it's going to be versatility and, you know, he's even mentioned the concept of maybe Milner even being a deputy center back, right? Um, am I thrilled about the concept of potentially having to see that? Not really, but um, I'm sure that actually Milner could probably at least do a job there. And I, I think that keeping him around because of the fact that he is that model professional that helps lead the team and probably is very important alongside Henderson, Van Dyke, and Wijnaldum. I think that those four are typically the ones who are seen as the leaders in the locker room as far as setting a culture where every single player has to buy into it in order for the entire system to work. 
And I think he's probably very good at enforcing that. And then we, you know, the other piece of news that we got this week is that Adam Lallana will be leading at the end of the season. Well, you two have history. I remember ages ago you tweeted I travelled all this way to see Adam Lallana play. And I just retweeted it because it made me laugh. And my God, um, I think a lot of people did because it made them laugh. The, you know what? I, I, I didn't get ratioed. Uh, <laughs> but because, you know, there, there, were, uh, there were a lot of comments back, but there were likes. But look. I think that was, a, was obviously stated as a joke. I don't wish the player ill. I know that he tries very, very hard. I know that the manager likes him. I'm sure he's a lovely individual. I just think he's a player um, wh- whose skill set the the club has evolved beyond. Uh, I, I I will never begrudge him for for the effort he's put in. I just don't think he's good enough to play for us any longer. And um, I think he can still probably do a bit of a squad role for the rest of the season, but I think it's it, it's obvious that the players no longer in the not really in the manager's long term plans, and I, it makes sense. He's broken, he's broken down. His body hasn't been able to withstand the uh, the the commitments needed to play in this team at this time, and I hope that he gets to go someplace where he can enjoy you know the, the football he's going to play for the rest of his career, and I hope he he leaves you know with. Uh, with a league winner's medal to go alongside the Champions League medal. For sure. I'll always remember his winner against Norwich and the equaliser against Man United. The man has contributed some vital things for Liverpool. Um, guys, that is the end of this show. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. A massive thank you to our callers, Yona and Kwesi. Um, we really appreciated your calls. A massive thank you to all you guys that joined us live to listen. I'm going to hand it over to um, Justin and to Diva now to do some plugs, and then we will close this pod off. Tadiva, where can people find you? Where can people find more of your work? Um, I'll be doing Rate Don't Hate. Uh, I think we might be recording that either tomorrow or Monday evening. So subscribers definitely should get their, their ratings in. If you're not a subscriber, definitely subscribe and get get your ratings in. Uh, it's quite a fun show, uh, along with all the really good shows that are on on Anfield Index Pro. Uh, in terms of Twitter, it's probably the only social media one you can get me at. Uh, that's at the Ace of Nave Seven. And then I don't think we're doing a wrestling podcast this week, but if we are, it it would be probably looking at Wednesday Thursday time. Um, after the pay-per-view this this past weekend. Uh, we might throw a bit of UFC onto that as well because there's quite a big UFC card on tonight. Yeah, yeah. I, thought, I saw BT sort of advertise that. And Justin, what about you? Where can people find you? Where can people find more of your work? So you can find me at Twitter on Rolls and Sh- and Ro- at Rolls on Shabbos. Um, Tadiwa and I actually probably need to schedule our first transfer window podcast. The club is actually... Forced us into action early with the Minamino news. Yeah, and no the, preseason for you guys. No, no, pre- no, 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 no off, no off season uh, for you guys. Straight into we're like, it. We're like Sadio Mane being thrust right into the uh, UEFA Super Cup. For but, sure. Uh, but then uh, the other thing, you know, obviously uh, I, I often come on here and make sure to try to give some sort of commentary that we can all do better things for people. And in, in light of the election results from the other day, it doesn't seem in, like in the UK um, anything is going to change for the better anytime mm-hmm. soon and austerity measures are going to keep going. So as of now, obviously um, both Liverpool club teams are, are clubs are the one are bring, bring food donations to food banks in at both home, both away and at home. There's obviously large donations to food banks and until the world can be a better place and austerity measures can be reversed. Just, you know, if you can 
bring a few cans of food to a food bank, it, it really does help. Absolutely. You know, you have a duty as a human to be of service to somebody else now more than ever. You know, I, I echo that sentiment all the time. Absolutely. Guys, um, for my part, um, do keep it on Anfield Index. There's going to be some awesome content coming your way. AI Pro as well. I will be back with the Euro Incision podcast. Um, maybe looking at the Champions League draw. Um, I'm hoping that we get Real Madrid. Uh, just going to put that out there. I want Real Madrid. So, guys, um, and also, if you're on Instagram, do check out my Instagram page. At Nina, um, the, the handle is uh, Nina Cows. The handle, the username. My username is the Nina Cows Show. Do check that out. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. Tweet us, comment to us. Let us know your thoughts from the game. Once again, a massive thank you to Justin and to Diva, who have been absolutely phenomenal. My very own deadly duo combo of Sadio Mane and Mosala. They always step up for me. I've had an easy one. Call me Bobby Firmino, I guess. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Until next time, up the Reds. Podcast Network.